Standing in the smoking rubble of the Clavenless weekend, contemplating the disaster that is the result of eight years of Democrat policies, some of you may wonder, what is there left that we can laugh at? Ah, but that's where the Republicans come in. Yes, today begins the GOP convention, when the only party that can prevent America from blowing itself to bits will blow itself to bits. Let's take a look at the scheduled events. The convention begins with a rousing rendition of this year's theme song, Yahoo! It's an Utter Debacle. Following an opening riot, a marching band will parade through the convention trying to escape. After that, Sem Senator Tom Cotton will make the first speech entitled, I just look like Tom Cotton, he's not really here. After that, Donald Trump's wife Melania and Senator Joni Ernest will appear on stage and Melania will explain to Joni where she bought her terrific breasts. And finally, the ball will be passed to Tim Tebow, who will drop it, recover it, run 10 yards in the wrong direction, then hurl a panic pass into a clutch of defenders, and finally fall to one knee to thank the good Lord that the rumors he'd be speaking here turned out to be untrue. The evening concludes with someone trying to remember the lyrics to the Star Spangled Banner. Tuesday will either be the second day of the convention or the third month, depending whether you're measuring by the calendar or by how much time has been subtracted from your lifespan. I'm never going to get through this. The opening speaker will be Dana White, the president of Ultimate Fighting Championship, who will demonstrate on himself how to deliver a rapid triple punch to the groin. I'm sorry, and then be carried off stage to the hospital. All right, I've lost it completely. White will, this is just a, a bad weekend. White will be followed by Tiffany Trump and Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, who will desperately cover for the fact that no real people would agree to attend Dad's event. Finally, Governor Scott Walker will take the stage to explain why he's decided to end his political career. I'm glad one of us is having a good time, I think. All right. On Wednesday, things will really get started when vice presidential nominee Mike Pence will introduce the new Trump-Pence logo, which features a T thrusting itself repeatedly into a P until the P cries out in mindless ecstasy. Many people complained that the logo looked obscene, but the P said, shut up and mind your own business. It's perfect. Ted Cruz and Newt Gingrich will also be on hand for a symbolic ceremony in which they'll light a commemorative torch and set fire to their good names. Finally, Thursday, July 21st, is a day no one will ever forget, no matter how desperately they try. Republican delegates from around the nation will be hunted down and dragged sobbing onto the convention hall floor, where they'll be forced to cast their votes for the one man who could save this nation if only he were someone else. Then, amidst a colorful rain of balloons and tomatoes, Donald Trump will take the stage to deliver a powerful declaration of his beliefs and policies. <laughs> then he'll quietly return to his hotel room and phone Hillary Clinton to congratulate later on becoming president in January. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Well, I, knew, I knew that wasn't going to go well when I was writing it. I was weeping. <laughs> Believe me, folks, if I had gotten through that, it would have been so funny, but <laughs> at, least, at least one of us got a laugh out of it. All right, you may think things are terrible, but it's Lindsay's birthday. Hey! <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> and what a delight she is. You know, I have been so lucky to work at places with so many nice people, and this is an exception. But Lindsay <laughs> is really one of the great, great people to work with. She just brightens up everybody's day in, enti in this entire workplace. So happy birthday. Thanks. And 
Just how bad was this Clavenless weekend? This Clavenless uh, week was so bad. Yeah. On Sunday, I'm lying on top of the bed. I'm reading a book, and my wife comes in and says, "Go back to work." <laughs> I just thought, I thought, oh, things are going bad. All right, we're live on Facebook. For 15 minutes, after 15 minutes, we will shut down your entire face. We may just blow up the entire internet, but you can still come. The one place you can come to see the rest of the show is The Daily Wire. You can listen to it there, or or you could subscribe for a lousy eight bucks a month, and then not only do you get to watch us, and gosh, it's exciting, let me tell you, you not only get to watch us, but you can be in the mailbag. That's the, the important thing. You can put in your questions in the mailbag, and we will answer them all for you. So... What a weekend. What a horrible... I mean, you know, I wish I lived in a leftist's imagination because it's so much nicer than real life, you know? I mean, one of the things... What I think we are seeing... I really do believe this. I think we are seeing the end of eight years of intellectual dishonesty. I mean, I talk about intellectual dishonesty as being different than regular honesty because I know people who are dishonest. You know, people who are pathologically... Cannot, don't do what they say they're going to do. Don't do what they said they do. But they're intellectually honest. They see the world as it is. Then I know people, I would trust them with my life. I mean, completely honest. But they lie to themselves all the time. And you see this intellectual dishonesty always works the same way. Things go along kind of at an even keel, and then they drop off the table. You know, the, mo the place where you most often see intellectual dishonesty is when people get divorced. And they say, the kids are fine. The kids are great. Kids are adaptable. They'll be great. They'll be fine. You know, they're, they're, they're fine. That's, everything's fine, you know? And then, you know, yeah, let's, can we cut the kids down now, you know? Because, you know, like, can we, can we find, you know, so he has a catch of weapons in the garage. You know, what does that mean, you know? So, so we stay, you know, and then, and then 10 years later in therapy, the kid comes back and says, you ruined my life, you know? And this intellectual dishonesty is finally catching up with the Obama administration. He was the light worker. Remember, he was going to save us. Oh, remember that song, Obama's going to save us, the little kids singing that stuff, and he is a rank incompetent, he's a ra with radical leanings, you know, the, all the radical stuff, the terrorists he hung out with, the people, uh, the Jeremiah Wright, the church he went to, all that stuff that he lied about, and the fact that he lied, just the fact that he lied to us, and the press said, oh, well, now it's explained, you know, now it's explained. Remember David Brooks saying what a wonderful speech, it was a symphony, that speech, where he talked about Jeremiah Wright, though <laughs> he never said, this guy hates America, and I've been in his church for 20 years, 20 years of Sundays, I've been saying, and I never heard a thing, never heard a thing. All these lies are coming. So, all right, the minute I walk out of the office, right, it starts with the Nice uh, attack, this crazy guy uh, inspired by ISIS drives a truck into what is their July 4th celebration, Bastille Day, kills 84 people, and the headline... I mean, this is what we're just going to trace the intellectual dishonesty, uh, how it keeps working, because now it's getting desperate. Now it's like it's like everybody just has to lie to keep us from seeing you know, who are you going to believe them or your lying eyes, what you see in front of us. So the New York Times runs a headline truck attack on French crowd scores dot like it's a Stephen King novel. You know, this truck went wild. <laughs> so Shapiro tweets out this headline from the New York Times over the weekend saying it's the worst headline ever. And I wrote him back and I said, you know, I tweeted him back. I said, just remember, most trucks are peaceful. You know? and, so, and so Twitter goes nuts and they have a hashtag, not all trucks. And then people started in, you know, like how we have to ban, anyone can get a truck. This is terrible. It's easier than getting a book. You can go in and get a truck anywhere. You know, it's like this, you know, nobody's laughing obviously at this horrible tragedy which involved children. Nobody's laughing about that. We're laughing at these completely deluded people who go on lying and lying and lying as their entire worldview comes apart at the scene. And 
you know, it's not just it's not just the headlines, of course. It's our officials. John Kerry goes on the Jake Tapper show, and he explains that the reason we're seeing so many attacks from ISIS is because ISIS is folding, basically. They are on the run, and I believe what we're seeing are the desperate actions of an entity that sees the noose closing around it. Well, with all due respect, sir, I'm not sure that it looks that way to the public that ISIS is on the run. In just the last few weeks, uh, we have well, obviously, seen a, 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 a series of ISIS-inspired attacks. 49 killed in Orlando, 45 killed in Istanbul at the airport, more than 200 killed in Baghdad, 84 in Nice. This is just the last five weeks. I don't think ISIS is on the run. Well, Jason, they might be expanding. Uh, look, well, Jake, it depends on where you mean ISIS. I don't know if this guy was actually ISIS, and nor do you. And we don't know that the guy in Orlando was fundamentally ISIS, nor even told what to do by ISIS. If people are inspired, they're inspired. But ISIL, which is, which is based in Iraq and Syria, is under huge pressure. And that is just a fact. Now, there are thousands of fighters, some of whom left the area of the fighting years ago, and they are sitting in some community somewhere in the world. And if you're saying that one person standing up one day and killing people is a reflection of ISIS moving in Iraq and Syria, I think you're dead wrong. See, the intellectual honesty, dishonesty there is that we're fighting groups. We're fighting people. We're fighting an idea. And they won't even mention the idea. Poor John Kerry can't even escape from his own face. It's like his face is it's like, I'm strapped, please let me out of my face. You know, it's like, he's, you know, he's saying, oh, well, they've lost this territory there. And that's a good thing. ISIS has been using their territory to recruit. They've been saying we, we're establishing the caliphate. No one's ever done this before. And that's been a good recruitment tool. And okay, that's, that's a victory that we fight, you know, that we uh, take away their territory. But we're fighting an idea. And the idea is spreading. You know, I, I subscribe to the science magazine, which tells me new developments in science. And it's, it's pretty basic, you know, just as this is what they're finding. Some scientist, <clears throat> I wish I'd brought it in, I'd read it to you, but some scientist went over to, uh, you know, the Middle East to study why ISIS fighters fight so well. And this is, you know, I mean, you got to admire him. He went out and he interviewed people. He interviewed these dangerous guys. He found that it's because they have a belief system that they're willing to die for. And he, and he said, maybe we should have that. You know, this is what he says. This is a scientist. And he's like a scientist discovering what everybody else knows, but he has to discover it scientifically. You know, they have a belief system. We've lost our belief system. We've lost our religion. We think our religion is evil, so we're not going to stand up for it. So we're not, you know, we're not fighting as well as they are because we don't understand. Just as a sidebar, I have to mention this because we're talking about all these lies that are just hammering us, this world of lies that we're living in. This Pakistani fashion model, Kandil Balosh, I think her name is, uh, she offended Muslims by posing with a cleric on social media, and she's a sexy babe. So her brother, as you do, killed her, strangled her to death, right? Because it was like he, I guess, offended, she offended his honor or something like this. So the Washington Post runs the, this, the headline, and the USA Today picked it up but later changed it. Pakistani model killed after offending conservatives. So, so be on the lookout for Ted Cruz because the guy, the guy will just kill you, you know. You show up. I mean, I thought like, well, thank God, you know, she only offended conservatives and she didn't offend a truck because that would have really, man, then she really, those trucks are really terrible, terrible. So all right, so all lies. Then we have the coup in Turkey. Next thing that happens on the Clavenless weekend. This is, this is, I'm going to just have to stay here. I'm telling you, this is like terrible. I can't go home. 
And the reason is, is because the intellectual dishonesty stops here. <laughs> That's why. That's why we get four good days and then everything falls apart. All right, so a, to, a coup in Turkey, which is a disaster. I mean, this is an unmitigated disaster. The military, it's kind of weird because the military used to be the guarantor of non-religious government, of secular government in Turkey. And Erdogan, the prime minister, the, he's now the president, I guess, is has slowly been moving Turkey toward Islamist government. And the military seemed to stage a coup. But the thing is, while Erdogan's been doing this, he's kind of been replacing the people in the military. So the military is not that big of a bastion of secular government either. Anyway, the thing went terribly wrong. They didn't secure the communication systems. Erdogan was out of the country, but he came back in. He called for people to take to the streets. And of course, who took to the streets? The Islamists. They took to the streets, and they stood up, and the uh, military retreated. Uh, hundreds of people killed. Uh, thousands, I think he's executed thousands of people. He's calling for a radical cleric who's against him to be extradited from the U.S. Obama just looked like a deer caught in the headlines because, of course, we need Turkey. You know, Turkey is in NATO now, and we need we have an air force base there, and we're using them to uh, coordinate attacks and hopefully to stem some of the um, immigration crisis that. Obama has helped cause by not taking care of business in the Middle East. And there's even a theory, I mean, now the danger, of course, is that the country's going to go full Islamist. And as a reaction to this, he's going to kill, kill everybody who stood against him and then really turn this country into yet another Islamist nation in the Middle East, which would really uh, put, since it's the only majority Islamic country that isn't a, a nightmare, uh, you know, it's it's going. It would really be terrible. There's a th even a theory going around that this that the coup was staged. That he staged the coup in order to have a reaction to it. Uh, Claire Berlinski, who I know from the Manhattan Institute, is an excellent reporter. Lived in Istanbul for many years. Really, uh, she says this. She feels this insane, is insane. She says the theory that Erdogan staged this himself is insane. Even if a number of my friends suspect so, many real people have died. Were they all actors? How did he persuade so many people to sign up for a suicide mission in service? of this theater, what's pretty clear is that he'll be the beneficiary, however, and this will give him cover to persecute any opposition remaining and pass a new constitution, arrogating all power to himself. The important thing to me is this little passage from the Wall Street Journal's report. The coup attempt caps a month of major global developments. Terrorist attacks from Turkey and Bangladesh to France and the U.S. moves by Russia and China to reassert power. And China is doing this in the China Sea where, you know, our Navy, you know, one of the things that was a guarantor of American power for the next century was our Navy, you know, and Obama has so weakened our Navy that now China feels it can sort of reassert its control over the China Sea, which no one believes they have, should have any control over. And there's been more saber rattling from North Korea. The dynamic unfolds as Mr. Obama de-emphasizes the role of the U.S. military in global hotspots. So here is Richard Haas, president of the Council on Foreign Relations. He says, what we have is a world that's unraveling and the United States, still the most important country in the world, that's retrenching. It's a toxic combination. Centrifugal forces are much stronger right now than anything trying to move toward balance. Mike Pence got this right. You know, Mike Pence, obviously, the Donald Trump's selection as vice pres president made a speech to announce this selection. I thought it was a really good speech. So listen to this part of it. Elections are about choices. Elections are about choices, and I also joined this ticket because the choice could not be more clear, and the stakes could not be higher. 
Americans can choose a leader who will fight to make America safe and prosperous again and bring real change. Or we can elect someone who literally personifies the failed establishment in Washington, D.C. Seven and a half years of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton's policies have weakened America's place in the world and stifled our nation's economy. Terrorist attacks at home and abroad, the grim and heartbreaking scenes from France just a few short days ago, the attempted coup in Turkey all attest to a world spinning apart. History teaches us that weakness arouses evil. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama's foreign policy of leading from behind, moving red lines, feigning resets with a resurgent Russia and the rise of ISIS is a testament to this truth of history. And we must bring a change to America's stand in the world. We cannot have four more years apologizing to our enemies and abandoning our friends. America needs to be strong for the world to be safe. On the world stage, Donald Trump will lead from strength. He will rebuild the arsenal of democracy, stand with our, our allies, and hunt down and destroy the enemies of our freedom. Uh, good speech, funny choice. I have to say goodbye to the folks at Facebook. Come to the Daily Wire, hear the rest of the show. It just gets better. It just gets better. Uh, it was a strange choice, Pence, in a way. I mean, the idea, I guess, was he was safe. Donald is such a uh, uh, such a loose cannon that Pence was going to make him, um, you know, look more substantial and conservative. Uh, Pence is a, he's a conservative. A lot of conservatives got angry at him because of the gay bill in Indiana. He passed a bill basically protecting uh, people who have religious objections to gay marriage. I think that that's a necessary bill, even though I feel everybody should do whatever he wants. That also means that people who don't want to cater, you know, a gay wedding shouldn't have to do it, that people should be able to express their consciences. But he backed down on that when business got on, you know, got on his back. However, basically, he's done a good job in Indiana. He's for free, he's conservative. He's for free trade. He's anti-abortion. He believes in a strong American presence in the world. Everything that Donald Trump doesn't believe. So I don't understand. That's the only reason he's a strange choice, because he's a conservative, but Trump isn't. All right, but he, he points out, he points out the connection, there is a connection between these things happening in the world and the things happening on the streets of America against our cops. The idea is that the peacekeepers are to blame. The peacekeepers are to blame for those who break the peace. The bad guys aren't to blame. The Muslims, you know, you've, we've heard this again and again. The Muslims, they're just reacting to our xenophobia, the fact that we haven't done anything for their economy, the fact that we've been mean to them. You know, that's all the, that's the only reason the Muslims are uh, protesting, and the, the blacks and... Uh, the black thugs, let's not call them the blacks, because this is, infuriates me that the thugs, um, you know, among uh, African Americans are identified with an race of people instead of the guys like the Dallas police chief who are American heroes. And that, to me, I don't understand why he doesn't represent that particular race. But the thugs in these neighborhoods are not to blame. It's not their fault. That's, you know, it's the fault of poverty. It's the fault that, you know, gee, Officer Krupke, they're just misunderstood, you know, but the cops who, who police those areas are to blame. It's the same lie. And so now we have another cop killer in Baton Rouge. He's a, uh, um, he's from that, uh, you know, Muslim, what's it called? The, not the Muslim Brotherhood, the uh, black Muslims, the uh, yeah, Nation of Islam, Nation of Islam. A lot of Nation of Islam people were in the Obama administration, we remember. So 
this this whole thing, Heather McDonald is the person, she, her book now, War and Cops, is a, a major bestseller. I hate calling things a New York Times bestseller as if that's somehow a, a special honor. You know, they, they jigger that bestseller list so badly that it's really not very honest. But but it is on the New York Times list. Uh, War on Cops, really, it's the book of the decade. It's really the important book that's out. She just comes out and she just tells it that the entire Obama narrative about this has been untrue. But over the last decade, it turns out that an officer's chance of getting killed by a black has been 18.5 times higher than the chance of an unarmed black getting killed by a police officer. Now, I don't know what will end the current frenzy against the police. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are continuing President Obama's race-based calumnies against the criminal justice system, arguing that the criminal justice system is shot through with bias and that it treats similarly situated whites and blacks differently. This claim is false and dangerous. Criminologists have spent decades trying to come up with evidence of racial bias in the criminal justice system and the honest ones have been forced to acknowledge time and again that the overrepresentation of blacks in prison is due to their elevated crime rates, not to any discrimination on the part of officers, prosecutors, judges, or juries. But Obama is sticking to his narrative. He comes up after this, the three cops killed by a madman in, and more injured in Baton Rouge. Obama comes out and he says, there are legitimate issues that have been raised. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, you know, the lies, just they never stop. And this is Obama speaking. And there's data and evidence to back up the concerns that are being expressed by the Black Lives Matter protesters. And if police organizations and departments acknowledge that there's a problem and there's an issue, then that, too, is going to contribute to real solutions. And as I said yesterday, that is what's going to ultimately help make the job of being cop a lot safer. If they'll just admit that they're bigots, if they'll just admit that, the, that what is untrue is true, if they'll just pick up the invisible tennis ball and admit that Obama's reality is reality, then all this will go away. It is just, you know, Heather wrote a piece today in this in City Journal called The Fire Spreads, and she ends by saying Obama should call for the Black Lives Matter movement to fold its tent, and he himself should start telling the truth about inner city crime. Well, that's obviously not going to happen. And watch this, okay? Don Lemon, reliable left-wing uh, newsman for CNN, is, is talking to Sheriff Don Clark, the sheriff of Milwaukee County. And this is, this is you've got to watch this to the end, because this personifies exemplifies the left's attitude to the truth. Watch this. Lemon tries to convince Clark that the other side is calling for togetherness and love, and Clark just blows up on him. My message has been clear from day one two years ago. This anti-cop sentiment from this hateful ideology called Black Lives Matter has fueled this rage against the American police officer. I predicted this two years ago. So when I, what do I, what I want to know, sure? okay, sure. do I want to know? With all due respect, do you know that this was because of that? Do we yes, I do. A law enforcement officer? I've been watching this for two years. I've predicted this. This anti-police rhetoric sweeping the country yeah. has turned out some hateful things inside of people that are now playing themselves out on the American police officer. I want to know. With all of the black-on-black -black violence in the United States of America, by the way, when the tragedies happened in Louisiana and Minnesota, 
Do you know that 21 black people were murdered across the United States? The, well, there was was there black, any reporting there was on that? a black officer who was killed today. But like, let's, was let's, there any reporting on Sheriff, that? Sheriff, please, let's just, keep, let's just keep the vibe down here. So, I understand. And I, and listen, I, I don't got, I'm I looking don't at three dead cops uh, this week, Sheriff, and I'm looking just, at five last please. year. You trying to tell me to keep it down? Just please. If you'll just please. We can keep it civil. So, because um, the message to people at home, I'm sure you want, is one of civility. I wish, Don, I, I wish I you had that have, message of like civility have a conversation toward this you. hateful ideology, these purveyors of hate. I don't what my message is. That's what, what I want to say do. to you is, these Will people let me preach word and virtue we'll be right in the back. name We're of gonna go to break, hate. And we'll be right back. That's what Don Lemon always does when he's confronted with the truth. We'll go to break. We'll go to break. We'll go to a commercial. I'm, I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But, but that, I, I just want to point out, by the way, that I've noticed on the streets, and, and other people have noticed this too, that black people and white people, regular people, normal people, are going out of their way to be really nice to one another. Has anybody else noticed that? You know, I, I hike in the canyons here, and there's everybody is there, and uh, they, they, some of these, you know, kind of uh, ripped uh, young guys, some of them black, some of them white, they're always teasing me because I'm an old guy, and I go buzzing up these hills because I'm trying to stay alive for another few years. And, and they, they're always, they're, I always say, I see you, Daddy. I always lo laugh about this because they're looking at me, and I see you, Daddy. Well, I see you, too, and I see that you don't want this. I see that the people don't want this. The people don't want what's being sold to them. This anger, this hatred, it's past... This is, past, uh, this is the past. They're selling us the past. They want to go back to the past when they had an argument for their power. And I see that the people on the street don't want this, and they're being nice to each other. There's, there's so much great stuff going on in America. The government is the problem. The people are not the problem. Now, let me just read to you. I have to read to you after talking about all this. Timothy Egan in the New York Times, in the op-ed section of the New York Times, on, on Barack Obama, okay? Because I just want you to know that the clouds of illusion and self-deception are not being blown away by this. I mean, we are it. We This is it. We are an island, island honesty right here uh, at the Daily Wire, because this is Timothy Egan in the New York Times, a former newspaper, all right? Speaking of Obama, we always knew he could keep his head when others were losing theirs and blaming him. Knew it from the 2008 financial crisis and on to the hard, lasting words he spoke at Tuesday's memorial for the slain police officers in Dallas. What we didn't know, what could not be predicted of one so young and new to the impossible task of living round the clock under the glare of the entire world, was how Barack Obama would hold up as a father, a husband, a man. No matter what you think of Obama, the executive branch, it's hard to argue that Obama, the human being, has been anything less than a model of class and dignity. If, as it was often said about black pioneers in sports, you had to be twice as good to succeed, Obama's personal behavior has set a standard few presidents have ever reached. So just so you know, <laughs> the beat, the beat, you know, we're living in the Truman Show. We are living in the Truman Show. Do you remember the Truman Show? Jim Carrey and Ed Harris as the artist, and Jim Carrey is living in a fake world. They put him in a fake world to make him into a TV show. And the way they keep him, this is going to be the stuff I like. I'm going to get rid of the other stuff and just keep the Truman Show as stuff I like, a great comedy. It really is a great comic movie. And Ed Harris plays this artist who has arranged Truman's life. And how do they keep Truman in this fake world? They scare him. They tell him that everything he does will hurt him. Every, you know, If he goes over the bridge, it's going to hurt him. If he leaves the town, it's going to hurt him. If he goes on vacation, it's going to hurt him. They inspire in him 
fear. And whenever he starts to talk about something that's important to him, they distract him with stuff. They because they they have commercials that are implanted in the show. So they go and so like Don Lemon, they cut to the commercial. You know, you got to drink this kind of cocoa. You got to drink this kind. And you know, just just to end with a little good news here, I just want to remind you the reason I keep going back to Brexit is because the Britons basically did what Truman does is they left. They said to hell with the fear, to hell with the panic, because it's all about climate change. If you don't if you do not do what we say on energy policy, the world is going to be destroyed. Climate change is going to destroy the world. If you don't do what we say on economics, you know, if you don't stay with the euro, with the uh, European Union, the economy is going to fall apart. So Britain has left the European Union or has decided to put that into operation, and they've got this new uh, Theresa May, the new prime minister, and the first thing she does is she abolishes the Department of Energy and Climate Change. People went nuts. I know, I know. It's like, it's like I love you, Theresa May. You know? she says, she, so this was called plain stupid and deeply worrying and terrible by politicians, campaigners, and experts. And we all know that experts know so much. One of Theresa May's first acts as prime minister was to move responsibility for climate change to a new department for business, energy, and industrial strategy. In other words, she wants business to have some say in how energy is used because business is the people who use the energy. Government advisors had warned of the need only on Monday. Get this. Government advisors had warned of the need to take urgent action to prepare the UK for floods, droughts, heat waves, and food shortages caused by climate change. And Theresa May's answer is click, turn off the department. This is the Truman Show. We are living in the Truman Show. And here is Truman, the scene at the end of the movie where Truman has to decide whether to go out. And this artist played by Ed Harris, who has been running his life, tries to convince him that he's better off as he is, that the outside world is no better than this little bubble he's living in. Listen to me, Truman. There's no more truth out there than there is in the world I created for you. Same lies. The same deceit. But in my world, you have nothing to fear. I know you better than you know yourself. You never had a camera in my head. You're afraid. That's why you can't leave. That's what they're telling us all the time. You know, remember the life of Julia? You know, Julia, that was the uh, Obama campaign thing for women. We're going to take care of you at every moment under President Barack Obama. Every page started with under President Barack Obama. You know, this will be taken care of for you. This will, you know, you won't have to, you don't have to have a husband. You don't have to have a family. You don't have to have a church. You just need Obama. This is the life we are living in the Truman Show. And let me end with one more piece of good news. Remember, we were talking about Dinesh D'Souza's new film, Hillary's America. America. Here is from The Hollywood Reporter. Conservative filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza has struck again. His latest offering, Hillary's America, The Secret History of the Democratic Party, scored the top theater average of the year so far for a political documentary, earning an estimated $77,500 over the weekend from three cinemas for an average of $25,833. So it's opening small, and then it'll open wide uh, next weekend, I believe. So please go out and see it. The more people go out and see it, the more theaters Dinesh gets, and the more he can spread the word. You know, we are the opposition, folks. We are the last redoubt. So, you know, if you give up, if you give up, we're done. You know, if you give up, we're done. We are still the only people. We're speaking the truth, and the truth will set us free. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show, and we'll do it again tomorrow.